time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 72. It's the best number ever. Best year ever. Best year of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And we kiss them too. Don't forget. Today we're brewing coffee that was sent to us by one of our lovely listeners, Sylvia. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? This is the very much needed wake up blend. Thank you, Sylvia. Thank you, Sylvia. It's waking us up and we need it. And she sent us some amazing mugs with it, which we love. So are we ready to sip this wake up coffee from Sylvia and chat some chicken? Yes. Let's do it. So how are you doing? I'm doing great. Obviously, this show is airing two weeks after we recorded it. That's about the way we run. But guess what arrived yesterday? What? My apple tree. (laughs) (laughs) So for everyone who's been listening all along, we have heard a lot, and I'm talking a lot, about these apple trees. They're they're amazing apple trees. They've arrived? Yeah. Four apple trees and two blueberry bushes. So now you got to plant them. I do. Now it'll be like, where exactly will you plant these? I marked out where they were going to be planted. Are they bigger or smaller? They're a good size. They're a couple feet tall. Really? They're four all together. They're in great shape. Again, three baking apples and a hard cider apple. I said don't get hard cider because I got them here. No, you have crab apples. But can't we do cider with those? No, you need something besides those. Uh If I made cider with just those, they'll be like mouth puckering. So no. They're spitters. They are. They're super spitters, that lot. Yeah. So this episode, we do record a few weeks out, but this is our special Easter, Easter. episode. Mm-hmm. And Easter is one of those times of the year. It's about spring, especially when Easter is not in March. Oh, it's I in April. Spring. We've had a rough March. Yeah. The Let's chickens just... have been very unhappy. Warm, cold, warm, cold, warm, it's cold. horrible on the chickens. Like yesterday, it was freezing cold and tomorrow it's gonna be 75 degrees i know they're like just make up your mind with this weather please for the love of god the other thing that we have been deep into and again by the time this airs i hope i have most of this project finished we got a huge truckload of fresh topsoil oh yeah i was talking to you when that was delivered and that is going into the runs we know for sure that the zinc contamination on our farm is in the soil yes so the cautionary tale there is if you own a place get your soil tested for zinc, as well as lead. Yeah. And if you yourself are gardening, do not dump fertilizer wholesale all over a property. No. If it doesn't need that kind of fertilizing. Yeah, that's exactly where it, it came that's from. That's exactly where it came from, yeah. And if you're buying land or whatever, you don't know what was there first. So if you have anything that's like unexpected chicken illness, right. is it explainable? Check that soil. Absolutely. You went to University of Delaware, yeah, which is the school of the blue hen. It is the school of the blue hen. I'm trying to get the girls to go there because the mascot's the blue hen. I wanted to go there for historical material culture, yeah, but I ended up doing straight history, which I don't regret at all, but it would have been fun to be a blue hen. I'm like, girls, it's an hour north. Be a blue hen. Yeah. You can make me so proud to be a blue hen. It's in a gorgeous part of Delaware, too. And it's an excellent school. Speaking of Delawares. I know. (laughs) We're going to work right into this. Okay, but before we say why we're working right into this, let me just take a minute to ask everyone a huge favor. If you're listening to our show and you're loving it, head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for our show. We can't tell you enough how much we love reading these reviews. It puts smiles on our faces. And while you're there, 
Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. That also helps the podcast grow. Yes. Share your favorite episodes on social media. You can also visit our Etsy shop, see what we have on offer. Hopefully those mugs will be here soon. I hope so. You can become a patron of the show. Head over to patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Check out our levels of membership, the benefits. And the other thing you can do to help support the podcast, check out our show notes, use our affiliate links, and buy products from our sponsors. Yay! We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. From now until the end of March, you can receive 25% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a long-time subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats, plus all products ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein, perfect for those picky chickens or ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot be combined with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code COFFEELADIES25. Try it today. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then, yeah. Let me just take a minute to tell you about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with the chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the April box, I absolutely love the big pack of greens and fodder seeds and the sparkly chicken earrings. Those bath bombs smell so good, and that wind chime is going to look so cute out in my run. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order, and shipping is always free. It's such a great deal. Use the code CWTCL50 for 50% off your first box. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Okay. Breed Spotlight. Breed Spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. I was the early colonial marching in. I wondered if you were going to go with the colonial theme for the Delaware. Hey, we talked about it in the intro. We didn't even realize what we were doing, but yes, we are doing the Delaware this week. I feel like it's one of the unsung heroes of the heritage breed world. This is one that you don't hear me say as much as Holly and, but I could see a Delaware in my flock. Okay. I mean, like as a Lucy friend to the Lakehorn. She'd be a lot bigger than Lucy. But she might be like, hey, let me take care of you. It's possible. I mean, I do think they're quite pretty. The Delaware is a large, dual-purpose American heritage breed chicken. They were developed. Where do you think? I'm not sure. (laughs) The state of Delaware. (laughs) Woohoo! In 1940 by a man named George Ellis. They are currently in the watch category of the Livestock Conservancy's poultry conservation list. This chicken needs a little bit of help. Yeah. According to the Livestock Conservancy, they were originally called Indian River chickens. That was their breed name. In Delaware, do you remember when we would go to the beach in Ocean City, we'd go to the Indian River. Exactly right. Indian Indian River Inlet. Yes. Indian River is a river and an estuary in Delaware. So yeah, I I do remember that. As kids, we went there. Yeah, it was fun. I'm going to geek out a little here, a little history geek out. Okay. So Delaware, the Bay and River, do you know how they got their name? No. I always assumed it was a Native American word. Yeah. No. They were named by an explorer in the early 1600s. He named them for Thomas West, Lord Delaware. Okay. It's spelled D-E-L-A-W-A-R-R. You learn something new every day. He was an early governor of colonial Virginia. Okay. So the state took its name from the river in the bay, Mm -hmm. and the chicken took its name from the state. Of course. Delaware. 
And Delaware is our neighbor yes. to the northeast. Right. We're very close. And I'm much closer, actually, to Delaware than you are, I think. You are, yeah, because yeah. you're further east than I am. Yeah. So, actually, Delaware has a special place in my heart. Me we too. We used to go to Maryland Shore all the time. You came with me on vacation uh-huh. all the time growing up. And we would always take multiple trips into Delaware on their coast and check out Rehoboth, Indian River Inlet, uh-huh. all that stuff. So, yeah, I love Delaware. And if you look up the chicken, I have to say, the more I see it. They're attractive chickens. And here's the thing. Our guest coming up has one. Yes. And she does amazing, amazing photography with hers. I know. And that's one of the things that got me looking into them because they're so calm. They're very calm. They're so pretty. They are pretty. Quite elegant looking to me. I think so, too. The Delaware was created by crossing New Hampshire hens and barred rock roosters. Okay, once again, that New Hampshire. Yeah. New Hampshire's been coming in a lot. And remember, the New Hampshire is derivative of the Rhode Island. Right. Good egg layer there. Right. So they were intended to be commercial broilers as well as layers. Okay. And they dominated the broiler industry for about 20 years, especially right on the Delmarva Peninsula, which is well known for right. chicken farming. Yes. But then they were displaced by the Cornish Rock Cross, which was a cross between the Cornish and the Barn Rock or right. Rock. So the appearance, the Delawares are almost completely white, except for they have some lighter colored broken barring on their necks, mm-hmm. tail feathers, and a bit of the wings. So pretty. And it looks like a silvery gray. It's so pretty. It's, it's very pretty. They all grab me. Right. right. But this chicken, for some reason, I'm pulling towards. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It's one I, that I'm like, oh. I think they're very, very handsome chickens. So they look like a lighter in color version of the Columbia pattern that mm-hmm. you see on the light Sussex and the light Brahma. Yes. The Columbia Wyandotte. Yep. So imagine that. It's not exactly the same because it is a broken bar instead of a right. stripe. But imagine that and then make it sort of a smoky charcoal or a silvery gray. Right. It's very elegant. I'm drawn to this chicken. I just, I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's, I really like them too. They have yellow legs and feet. They have a moderate size straight comb and red earlobes. There's nothing super flashy there. No. It's all like good solid chicken stock. Yeah. And, you know, we haven't even gotten to the best part yet, which we will later. They are big chickens. They weigh around eight pounds for the roosters and six pounds for the hens. They go into our category. We love the big and fluffy. And they are big. I mean, they have a long back and a really deep breast. Yeah. Which I think gives them a very handsome, dignified carriage. All of the American breeds, I mean, I think are so gorgeous. The Dominiques and the Rhode Island Reds and the Buckeyes and the Javas, all of these big, gorgeous chickens. And I feel like the Delaware more than earns their place right in there. I think the Delaware does. And she has been pushed out for way too long to the point of where she's on a watch list. Right. So they have a good reputation for personality. There's no reason why a chicken like this can't fit into a backyard flock. No reason whatsoever. Here's something fun. They make surprisingly good show chickens. Yeah. When you look them up, and if everyone does this, you Google them as Uh we're talking. One of the pictures is... Oh, yeah. There's a the Delaware show with the big blue ribbon. Yes. They're very handsome birds. They were actually accepted in the American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection in 1952. Yeah. So they have over a half a century's worth of showtime. Yeah. In a contest, you would call them the sleeper. I would agree with you. I feel like if I were walking through a chicken show, they would draw my eye, definitely. Yeah. And there's something, they're just different enough uh-huh. to draw you in, but still you can see the classic, and I don't mean this in a bad way, barnyard look. Yeah. That draws you to chicken yeah. somewhat. It's a big, sturdy, handsome chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
So the genetics of this cross, like you said, we find New Hampshire, Rhode Island Red, and Barn Rock in so many of these foundations. So can everybody guess where we're going to go with this? Well, the genetics of this cross have a couple of interesting effects. If you breed a Delaware rooster to any New Hampshire or Rhode Island Red hen, you will produce a hen that looks like the Delaware. Okay. But if you breed a Delaware hen to a New Hampshire or Rhode Island Red rooster, you get sex-linked chicks. And what do sex-linked chicks bring us? Lots of eggs. Yes. So, yeah, isn't this funny? This chicken is part of what everybody's kind of going after in these hybrids. Right. But they are, Forgotten. they do breed true. They are their own heritage breed. Right. Just like we were explaining, those are genetic quirks where you can get those colors. And of that sex-linked pair, the mature male will still look like the Delaware. Right. But then the pullets are red, and that's where the sex link comes in. Right. So you're right. Here we have these American heritage breeds. You have the size from them. You have the sort mm -hmm. of elegant carriage. But what's the other fantastic thing that comes along with the uh, Delaware? Yeah, I mean, this yeah. chicken lays an amazing number of eggs, 280 plus a year. Large brown eggs. Yes. And actually, there's something quirky about a white chicken that lays brown eggs. I love it. So we do a lot of brainstorming when it comes to what breeds we're going to pick. We yeah. try to match up with what we have going on. There's a lot of thought that goes into how our show is produced. Right. And one thing is a Delaware has been on the list from the beginning. Yes. It has been pushed back until episode 72. Yeah. Because we're not about meat birds. Right. We're not. We In respect history, that path. We it respect not, that path. But that's just path. not us. This chicken is known mostly for a meat bird. Exactly. Until we dive in and we realize this chicken's got a lot more going for it. She really does. Yeah. And yeah. we need to help the Delaware. Yeah, I agree. We need to get her more into mainstream farm supply store sellings. Yeah. So that we can help the chicken get off the watch list because there's no reason a chicken that's been around this long and is an American heritage breed should be on a watch list. Well, I mean, you mentioned she lays that impressive number of eggs. Now, right. the number of eggs that she lays will go down every year. As in any chicken. But because she is a heritage breed, you're not going to lose her at, say, three to five years old unless something goes badly wrong. She's right. going to have a longer life. Their genetics are stronger. Everything about them. She yeah. is a heritage breed. Earlier before we started recording, I'm like, if you want a white chicken in your flock mm -hmm. and you don't necessarily want a leghorn, she is an option. Absolutely. And the guest that we're going to be talking to, that's why she wants a white she chicken yeah. because she loves the photographs of a white chicken in the green grass. So this chicken could be a friend to Lucy Lou. <laughs> she could. They would be like the big and the small. Yeah. But they're an option if you want a big egg layer, but you don't want a Mediterranean yeah. and you want a white chicken. There is another option. That's this chicken, the Delaware. I love that their personality is so awesome. A lot of people say, well, they're very calm and gentle. They're not particularly friendly. But that's not necessarily for people who have put the time in with them. Right. We say this every week. They can be quite friendly if you put the time in with them. You get out what you put in. So if you get this chicken at one day old and you love this chicken all through and you make this chicken used to your hands and being held then this chicken will know you and know that you're trustworthy, as in any animal that's going to come in. Yeah, really, our upcoming guest talks about her Delaware a bit, and it's super nice. Yeah. One thing that can cut into their egg laying a little bit is that they will go broody. Oh, damn broody. But, I mean, some people don't want to have to do incubator if they want to hatch. They right. want to go the natural route. So if you are running a homestead or you want an amazing egg chicken that can hatch her own babies, there you go, Delaware. Yeah, I mean, broody is a good thing for some people. Yeah. For other people, it's not. 
for me, it's not a good thing because I'm not going to be hatching eggs. So I'm kind of like, oh, no, you're broody. I got to get you out of this. But every chicken has a potential to go broody. Oh, yeah. Even Mediterranean chicken can pull young. But yeah, this is, to me, a definite sleeper. They are good free rangers, but they are bright white. And that means they oh, yeah. need predator protection. They can be seen from way like far away. Like a hawk could see this bird from yeah. way far away. And we talk about this too. We both do supervised free range when possible. Right now we can't. Our birds are in their yes, they runs are. and not out. But yeah, supervised free range is the way to go, especially for a bright white bird. Yes. The other interesting thing about the Delaware is that they do well in most climates, and that's because they are developed here in the Mid-Atlantic, where it's stinking humid in the summer and it's freezing cold in the winter. In the Mid-Atlantic, we're on our third winter, basically. Like, we have oh, winter. Like we have <laughs> stages of winter. Yeah, and then, like, you get, like, two weeks of And then there's fall, spring. Yeah, right. fall, spring. Yep. And then, oh, winter again. Here we go, winter number two, uh, and yeah. then it's cold, you know. So chickens adapt to where they are, and because they're from the Mid-Atlantic, right. guess what? They are just like us. They do well here. Strong. Yeah. And they adapt to anything. As always, you're going to want to watch Cobes and Waddles, especially on the ruse. And they might need a little bit of heat help if it gets super hot because they're a big body chicken. The other thing is what they start out as as babies are the cute little yellow chicks. Oh, my God. They are like the classic fluffy little cute yellow chicks. So cute. Yeah. And that's one of the other reasons we stuck them here at our Easter show because they're Come like on. the perfect Easter peep. Yeah. They are like perfection for the Easter peep. They are. I can't get over how much, and I've said this multiple times, is they are the sleeper of the chicken world. Oh, yeah. I feel like we really need to help this chicken. So I get to say the words this time. This is a chicken that you can see in your flock. I can. I don't say it nearly. Oh, nowhere near. Holly <laughs> will research these chickens and be like, oh, yeah, this one's in my flock. And I'm kind of just sitting back like, I really like that chicken, but I don't know. But for some reason, there's something about the Delaware that has drawn me in uh-huh. where I am like, I can see this chicken fitting into the flock of what chickens I have yeah. now. Just something about it. So if you have the Delaware, uh-huh. send us pictures. Absolutely. But where can we get the Delaware now? The primary place that we recommend are the wonderful old lines of Delawares that are currently being bred at Murray McMurray Hatchery. Yes. You can find them a lot of places. You know you're going to get good quality heritage stock there. Yeah. You can go on their website. The other thing is order their catalogs because they have pictures. Yeah, they do. They'll send you a free catalog if you sign up for it. And And you can see the pictures of the chickens that they use in there, too. If you're looking for other genetics because you want show lines, you can also try the American Poultry Association. If you're a member, you'll get the yearbook. You can check in there for breeders. I like going to a place like McMurray Hatcheries because we can get the vaccines we want. We know they're good bloodlines. Absolutely. And we know the family that owns it now, and we really love this hatchery. We know it's a good one. So go get yourself some Delaware chicks. And I'm going to try to talk my girls into being a blue hen. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. Are you looking for a vintage small farm feel for your egg packaging this year? Or are you looking to develop a unique brand image with custom packaging? The A Carton Store offers a wide variety of recyclable cartons, customizable stamps, poultry care products, and a robust customizing tool to design your own labels. 
Plus, they offer fast, free shipping on all cartons and labels. Visit eggcartonstore.com for all of your egg carton, label, stamp, and poultry care needs this spring. Okay, so now we're going to move on to our main topic. And for our main topic this week, we have a guest. Because it's our Easter episode, we have a guest that, oh my goodness, this woman's photography is through the roof. She has close to 160-some thousand followers that follow her photography on Instagram. She is Penny from Happy Days Farm. It's a gorgeous website. The photography is absolutely gorgeous. There's a fantastic blog, all kinds of information if you go check them out. And she has chickens and turkeys. And turkeys. Yes. We had the pleasure of sitting down with Penny, and we're going to bring you that interview now. So enjoy. Hello, Penny. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Of course. It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. (laughs) We love your social media. We love your photography, all your animals. You have turkeys and everything else. So we love seeing those pictures. Aw, thank you. So for those of our listeners who don't know you, Penny, will you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your farm? Okay, well, I am a wife and a mom and a grandmother, and we just have a small hobby farm here in North Carolina, about six miles or seven miles off the main interstate that runs through our county. And we moved here about 16 years ago and actually got into the farming by accident, the hobby farming. And we built our home out here in the country. So, you know, I just love the country lifestyle. I was actually a city girl that always loved nature and animals and the country life. So when we moved out here, that's kind of when I started with the chickens and the farm animals. And I was going to ask, where are you originally from? Well, we're from the area. I grew up in a little town beside the town we live in now. But if you blink, you'll miss it. But (laughs) it's called Graham. And now we live in Burlington. And we have about eight acres out here. Nice. You can do a lot with eight acres. Oh, yeah. So tell us a little bit about the animals on your farm because they're so cute. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Aren't chickens just adorable? All the animals are adorable. But right now we only have seven. Every year I say, I need to get some chicks. I need to get some chicks. So hopefully this year will be the year. We've had up to 20. But anyway, we have seven right now. And I have a mixed breed. I love a mixed breed flock. I just like the variety and I love the different colored eggs. So I have a barn velder, a well summer, the blue coaching. Oh, um, you got Holly's heart with that one. And my heart yeah, with the well summer. The blue coaching we have, her name's Bonnie. They all have names, of course. She's our oldest hen right now, and she's about 10 years old. Wow. So she's the sweetest thing. Sweet, sweet, oh, sweet. I love them. I've had leggerns. I don't have a leggern right now, but I love leggerns. I love their flightiness and their energy, and they are good egg layers. We have a Marin's, which lays the dark chocolate eggs. We have a silver laced wine dot. She's real sweet. Her name's Lacey. And we have an Easter egger, which lays the beautiful pastel eggs. But anyway, I just love a mixed breed. And I think it's just beautiful out in the yard, seeing all the different colors. Are there any particular breed of chicks that you'd like to get this year? Well, a good layer, of course. I like the white chickens against the green grass. We have a lot of green grass here. So I'm probably looking into getting maybe another leggern or a white chicken and maybe another Orpington. I love the buff Orpingtons. They're so sweet. Yep. One of our first chickens was a buff Orpington and her name was Buffy and she was an angel. 
he was the best friend to a handicapped chicken that we had. And we've got a story about that on our blog. Her name was Bella. And we had her for a long time, too, about nine years. But anyway, we have had other Buff Orpingtons that are terrors, too. And they will go broody. Buffy never went broody, but we've had some that go broody. But anyway, I'd like to add a Buff Orpington, possibly. I have two Buff Orpingtons. I've had four. And a Leghorn. You and I must be a match here because I have a white (laughs) Leghorn named Lucy. And I have three Uh Lavender Orpingtons also. Orpingtons have been in my heart from the beginning. And you're right. They are so sweet. But man, those girls go broody. I mean, it's genetically instilled in them to do this. They want to be mamas. My two oldest are Buttercup and Bubbles. And they started Mm -hmm. to go broody yesterday. Oh, no. Buttercup. (laughs) Bring us here. And And do they stay broody like all spring and even in the summer? I try to break them because it's much better for their health not Mm -hmm. to be broody because, you know, they're trying to sit on a nest that isn't there and they're not eating well all day and they're losing weight. We've done that too. Sometimes that's successful and sometimes it's not. It's hard. It can be. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about keeping chickens? Well, I just love their different personalities. They're entertainment. You just sit and watch them. Yeah. And they're sweet. A lot of them like cuddles and I don't know. I just love them. They just make me happy just looking out there and seeing them out in the yard. It just lifts my spirits. So I've developed this perhaps bizarre love of baby turkeys. (laughs) My husband's going to be like, no, you're not bringing turkeys home, but I really want turkeys. Can you tell us about the type of turkeys you have and what you love about them? They're the cutest. Oh my goodness. They're on your Instagram all the time. So I feel like I know them. And yesterday was St. Patty's Day. Oh, yes. And your pose with the green bow tie. Oh, my goodness. The cutest little thing. And you have bunnies. And we have guinea fowl. I do like the guineas, but I think turkeys are next in my heart, really. I'm going to see turkeys on your farm. There's no doubt in my mind. Well, we have a heritage breed called the Royal Palm. We have a male and a female. And we let her hatch some eggs last year. So that was interesting. And sad at times, too, because we lost some of them. They are very hard to get past that baby stage. But we did have one that survived, and we named him Sweepy because we have Popeye, which is our male. I love it. And then we went and found him two wives. Olive was one, and the other one we named Sophia. So we have Popeye and Olive, and then we named the baby that survived Sweepy. Sweepy, I love it. That was Popeye and Olive's little baby. So I don't know what it is about turkey chicks. I love chicken chicks, but the turkey (laughs) chicks are so cute. But they just didn't grow so fast. It's like kids, only faster, and they just don't stay small long enough. Okay. Yeah. As soon as they hatch little babies, I mean, you got to take advantage of the first few days and get any kind of pictures you want. You've got to do that. Which one do you like better, the turkeys or the chickens? Well, I think my heart is with the chickens. I like the chickens the best, but I enjoy the turkeys. Popeye is such a gentleman and they're really easy to have. They get along well with the chickens. He's very protective of the hens. I mean, he stays right with them. And of course, Olive, he's always about her. But yeah, you should add turkeys to your farm. My husband's our editor, so he's hearing all of this. (laughs) You're happy? Turkeys. (laughs) They're bigger, of course. They're bigger, yes. Hey, I would say this. Those hens are like, come on, try to mess with me. And then they bring the turkey out that's you. (laughs) And they're like, oh, yeah, I don't think so. You're not going to mess with us. Yeah. Our chickens have their own coop 
yeah. then the turkeys have their own. So you need to think about that because at night, of course, a turkey can't go in a chicken coop. If you have a small door, I guess if you had a big barn, you could put them all together. You're right. The chicken door is not but, big enough. No, it's not. So what do you need in a turkey coop? About the they same roost? thing. Yes, they will roost. Okay. And we have a small building that they get in and uh, that protects them at night, especially if it's cold. Okay. They feel some protection, just like chickens do. They like to be in a safe place at night, okay. so the turkeys do too. And then we have fencing at the top of their run. And the only time they stay in that area, though, is at night. They free range out in what I call the chicken compound all day. One of your blog posts is the do-it-yourself coop mini makeover, which I love mm -hmm. looking at because it's under $100. Yeah. And you can do this for chicken, for turkey. And it looks like this is your turkey coop, correct? That you've yeah, made over. It is. And it's gorgeous. You've done yeah. such a great job with it. On your blog, you have all these different things on your website showing different things you've done. Love it. And I love that when you go on your website, everything is right there that you do and that you show oh, yeah. everything. What are the best tips for style and functional coops and decor? Because we all want it to be cute. Because you oh, want yeah. to have a place that you enjoy going to and spending time. I try to decorate the coops seasonally. And Tractor Supply is a great place to find cute coop decor. Yeah. I bought a rocking chair there that I love to use out there at the coop and beautiful containers for flowers yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And cute signs. I know y'all have been posting some cute things that y'all have found there. We actually got the turkey sign and things that were in the turkey coop from Tractor Supply too. As far as inside our coop, the roosting box area and all that, I don't have a lot of decor in there. I do mostly my decor outside. Okay. Of the I love that. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you want to be happy where you're going to spend the most time. And if you want to be with the animals, you want to be looking at something that's cute, signs, flowers, big planters, <laughs> something to make you happy. And you can read a book or just be on the web on your phone or wherever and sitting with the chickens. I love your big wood chips that are in with the turkeys. We use big wood chips also. feel like it's so much safer for them to it's be on that. good substrate. It is. It's really good substrate. Looking all through this, you painted it white on the inside. Nothing better than white on the inside for a coop. Yeah. Yeah. You learn something new every day because I did not know a turkey roost at night. They just got to have enough space. And we don't have their perches very high off the ground. It just gives them some stability than to lay on the floor. And it's cleaner. We've done this in the chicken coop and the guinea coops and the turkey coop. We cut tarps to fit the size under their perches. Okay. And at night they poop on the tarps and all you got to do is take the tarp up and just rinse it off. Nice. It now the chicken's a little, little different. I have a roosting tray that I can slide out that has shavings in there because okay. their perches are higher up. Right. And they jump off those perches. I want them to have a soft landing. But that's just some tips that you can do for the turkeys and the guineas under their perches. We love your photography. This is one of the things that drew us to you right away. And we were like, we have to talk to Penny because your photography is beautiful. And Aww. we love what you do with your kitchen and oh, using yeah. that beautiful farmhouse sink and using it as a focal point for photography. But then also you do tablescapes. We love tablescapes. We love, love, love setting them up. So we wanted to ask you, what are some tips that you can give us on setting up a really beautiful tablescape with chickens or turkeys or bunnies? Or Chicken or turkey or bunny decor, not turkeys <laughs> in the table. 
<laughs> that wouldn't go along well. No. <laughs> I love the photography part of it. I love styling and just making things pretty. I like just to put pretty pictures on my feed too. I mean, uh, yeah. because it's kind of like a photo album that you can go and look at. And tablescapes are great. I think the family breakfast would be a great time to do a chicken tablescape. If you have any cute chicken dishes, use those, of course, and pretty placemats. I love color. Yeah. So I would use a lot of color. And of course, your color scheme for your home, your house, your kitchen, whatever, and flowers. Tractor Supply has the cute little chicken creamers and things like that. Set those on the table and There's just myriads of things out there, you know, that you could use to decorate a pretty tablescape with chickens and the chicken motif. Do you collect anything that's like vintage chicken? I have some chicken things. I have some pretty rooster statues. I posted one this morning that I found recently. But yeah, I mean, I have some chicken stuff. Now, my house is not bursting at the seams with chicken items. But yeah, I like to use them. I just think it sets a pretty country home. Well, that's one thing with your photography. We love this statue. Holly just pulled it off. <laughs> wow. This is the kind gorgeous. of stuff that we die for. We are like the girls who go to the thrift store, the antique store. You look for anything chicken, right? Anything, anything chicken. chicken. But your egg stand, oh my goodness. We saw that on the website the other day. So cute and so different. It definitely would catch somebody's eye. And it's great to sit right next to the sink. You can organize your eggs. And you have mm-hmm. twinkle lights in it. That's clever. It's so cute. Yeah. I added the twinkle lights. I like to twinkle things up. (laughs) I think it looks cute. Your kitchen's very joyful to me. It is. And, you know, we always talk about part of us being who we are is the chicken lady lifestyle. Enjoying and being with the chickens, but bringing the beauty of them wherever you go, in your house or in the yard. And you just do all of that with your photography. Thank you. You've been writing your blog for a long time because you have pages and pages of fantastic posts. And you have a recipe for immune building veggie noodle soup for chicken. I love it. It's fantastic. So how did this come about? Well, we don't have extremely cold winters here in North Carolina, but it can dip down and get pretty cold. And we like to provide them with a healthy, warm, nutritious meal to warm their tummies up on cold days that they're outside all day. Whatever we have, a lot of times is what we use to make a good bone broth with the noodles and the veggies and the garlic and all that. It's very good for their immune systems. I love that idea. I love that it's easy to find on your website. The other thing I found, which I really love, are the nesting box herbs. And here's the thing I like about your blog post. You have at the bottom of the post where you can get all the material to do what you talked about in the blog post. I love that because it makes it easy for people to say, okay, so you talk about making eight pounds of nesting box herbs. That's a lot of nesting box herbs. That's a good amount for the season. You put all your money up front. You mix it all together, then you have it all spring and summer. And at the bottom, you have right on Amazon what you need to get. And your herbs seem like that mixture is going to smell fantastic. Oh, it does. It does. And that was a real popular post. And we've gotten a lot of response from that. And it's very helpful and a lot less expensive to do your own. And so that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to inspire people to do their own and have a helpful way to do it without the expense of buying it already packaged up. You can also take that and make little sachets for yourself to oh, use yeah. in the house. They of smell course. so good. Sure it smells good enough for that. Absolutely. 
So you have written a children's book about your farm and it is absolutely gorgeous. The illustrations are fantastic. Oh my goodness. We love it. We absolutely love it. it. So what was the inspiration behind this? And can you tell us a little bit about the process? Yeah, well, there's actually four stories in my book. And of course, the book is about the animals on the farm. And they're actually true stories, things that actually happened in each story to each animal. And I just was inspired to write a children's book about it because I thought maybe it'd be something cute and funny for the kids to enjoy. And one of the stories is actually how we got started on the farm. And it's about two guineas that wandered up one day. I didn't even know what they were at the time. (laughs) That was like 16 years ago. And I was like, what is that? I was out watering some plants. They made their home here on the farm. And she actually hatched 14 eggs in my rose garden. So that kind of started it. She was like, and, this is um, the prettiest place to raise babies. I'm going to stay right here with your roses. It smells yep. so good. <laughs> she hatched all of them here and they all survive. So the guineas kind of got us on the road to hobby farming. And then it went to chickens and our first and only rooster was Chachi. And he was hilarious, the things he did. So one of the stories is about Chachi. And then one of the stories is about Marilyn, one of our hens that we had at the time. She was an Easter egger. And she was so funny because, of course, you know this. They don't want to sometimes lay their eggs in the nesting box. And then other times they'll all want to lay in the same nesting box. And I think that was her issue. She didn't want those other girls in her nesting box. So she would wander around trying to find a place to lay her eggs. And all those things in the book, she actually did. I mean, she wanted to lay it on the golf cart. Or in a flower arrangement or in the shed, in the shavings. I mean, she was always looking for a place to lay her egg. And Chachi was always behind her trying to help her find the perfect place. And then we have a story about our bunny, Sugar. He's a dwarf lion head. And he's actually a rescue. We rescued him, we say, from a breeder. And that story is absolutely true. And it's just a fun little book. The illustrations are absolutely beautiful. Oh, yeah. I shared it with my goddaughter, who is three. She loved it. I found a local artist to do the illustrations for me. But the interesting thing about it is all those are pictures that we have taken here on the farm. And so I gave those pictures to her and she, of course, did the rendition from the picture. So that makes it really special to me because it's not something she thought up in her head. You know what I mean? Like the cabin and the coop and the chickens and the golf cart and just different things and even sugar in the house. That's special to me when I look at the book. For sure. It's wonderful. Where can listeners buy the book? Well, you can get it on Amazon and you can also get it in our Etsy store. This might be of interest to someone, but we also have a rabbit book. Oh, yeah. Tell us. Yeah. I self-published the children's book. I did have some publishers interested in doing it, but they wanted to change the stories. They wanted to shorten the stories and that just didn't go along well for me. So I self-published it, but our rabbit book has been published by a publisher and it's on rabbit keeping, especially from the first year of rabbit keeping. And there's a lot of pictures in there of sugar and it's a really cute rabbit book. It's called Raising Happy Rabbits and you can find that on Amazon. And at Tractor Supply and probably at Barnes and Noble. I will put links to purchase both of the books in the show notes of the podcast so listeners can get right to them. 
We didn't realize you had the rabbit book too. That's fantastic. Well, that's so, why yeah. I, I wanted to ask a question about the bunnies because the bunnies are so much also a part of who you are on your social media presence. They are always in the sink or they're right with everybody else. <laughs> so how many bunnies do you have and what kind do you have? We have five rabbits and they're all rescues, but we have three dwarf lion heads, one Rex and one Flemish giant. The Flemish giant's happy. The Rex is velvet, and then the three dwarf lion heads. One of my sisters had Rex when we were kids in 4-H. The fur on a Rex rabbit is like nothing you've ever touched. They make some it's of the amazing. Pictures. Their fur is amazing. But we got her from a pet store. Nobody wanted to adopt her. She had some food aggression issues when we first got her because oh. she would charge you and bite you, you know, but we brought her home. She and Happy live out there with the chickens oh. and they have a beautiful relationship and a beautiful life out there. And her food aggression issues are so much better. Oh, good. Than, awesome. Than so do they go in the coop at night with the chickens? During the day, they go anywhere they want to. Happy goes in the chicken coop and digs holes that are so deep. <laughs> They have their own house, the rabbits do, at night. I love living yeah. together as one big happy. Yeah, I mean, it goes sweet. with the happy days farms. I mean, everybody's happy together. The Flemish Giants and the Rex, I believe, are heritage breed rabbits. But I don't know anything about the lion heads. Is that a relatively new breed? It is. One of my favorite pictures you put up was the one where you have the chicken looking in the mirror. Uh -huh. It was just yeah. recently. Was it right around Valentine's Day or a little yes. before then? Mm -hmm. I looked at that picture and I'm like, how did you do that? The chicken was looking in the mirror and everything was, was so beautiful around it. It takes you away. And that's what I like about your photography. It takes you to a place where you feel really good. That's what social media should really be, is a place to kind of escape for a while and to take you to really cool places. And that's what your photography does. Thank you so much. That's what it's all about. And I get a lot of people that tell me that it just lifts them up and brightens their day, makes them happy. And that's what I want. You know, we're not in this for the money. We do it for simple joy and pleasure. And I just enjoy making people happy. It's just a lot of fun. That's fantastic. Do you have any photography tips for the rest of us? Well, from the time I started, like I said at the beginning, I like to make things look pretty. And we've had a lot of people share us and feature us, which has been a blessing. But I think one thing to think about when you're doing your photography, and, and you know, Instagram's changed a lot. It used to be about the still photography, but now it's more like the reels and the videos and stuff. Exactly. But, um, when I first started, it was about the stills. And... Uh, I always try to do a picture that it's not fake. You know, the things you see on my Instagram are real. That's my house. And that's the way I like to keep things. I like things pretty and I like things clean. But I always tried to do a picture that I thought, you know, someone might like to share. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Shareable content. Yeah. You know, I love it. Yeah. We have messes here too. You know, I make messes and I have junk drawers and things like that, like everybody. But yeah, I just like beauty and making things look beautiful. I think there's a very special place for that. I mean, some people do like to do an Instagram feed that's all gritty and real. And that's fine. And that's fine, right. Running a farm myself and the two of us having this business and this podcast keeps us super busy. I feel like we do like the same thing, which is when we have time to actually sit down and look at social media, we gravitate to an account like yours where we can see the joy, the animals, the beauty. It has a very special and welcome place. You want to be there. And that's what we're striving for ours also is the same type of thing. 
you want to feel good when you look at something and you do capture that. The other thing I was thinking about is your kitchen, which we didn't talk about yet, but your kitchen is absolutely gorgeous. You know, when I designed the house, when we bought the plans and you know, started building, I also brought my country charm stove from our previous home, which you'll see on the feed. I wanted a farmhouse sink and I wanted something bright and cheery. So that's the way I decorated it. It is beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. Tell us about the stove. How old is it? It's a reproduction of an old wood cook stove. And I bought it 30 some years ago. I saw the article in Country Living. Yes, uh, I remember that article. Our previous home, it was back when country decorating was very popular with the ruffled curtains. And and in my kitchen, I had lots of chicken stuff. So I saw that stove in Country Living and I really wanted it. So I saved my money and bought that stove and it was delivered on a transfer truck. And we had to run to the local appliance store and rent a dolly to get it off because it was so heavy. It's cast iron. It's made like the old ones were, only it's electric. So anyway, I put that in the kitchen at the older home. And when we built out here, I said, that's coming with me too. So we brought that with us. But I love that little stove. That's all I cooked on for 20 some years. It's just perfect. It it fits in there perfectly. It just adds a bit of charm. A lot of charm. Exactly. You have all the charm, all the vintage charm, (laughs) and then all the modern safety. So (laughs) yeah, you can't lose. You can't go wrong. Your kitchen is beautiful. You have a blog post all about it where people can go on your website and take a tour of your kitchen and see the Mm -hmm. stove that we're talking about. Everyone who's listening now, go over to the website for Happy Days Farm and look at these blog posts because they are incredibly well thought out. Oh, yeah. The instructions to do things are very easy. Plus, all the social media across the board, you will not be disappointed to go follow Penny and Happy Days Farm because it will make you happy. Yeah. It makes us happy when we see your posts all the time. We love them and you do a great job. You're so sweet. Thank you so much. We're going to talk about your baking because you remind me of my grandmom's baking, Southern. (laughs) We came across this recipe and we're like, we want to put it out there for our crack in the eggs. It's your $300 cake. Well, that came from an old recipe book that my mother gave me many, many, many years ago. And of course, if you love chocolate, you're going to love that cake. So I followed the recipe on that. But a lot of my cooking, I just kind of did it the way my mama did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The stuff that's in here is so Southern. And that's why when I was reading through all your recipes, it takes me back (laughs) to when my grandmother would bake for us because there is a certain thing of Southern style. And oh my goodness, it's the most delicious. (laughs) You can't go wrong with Southern baking. It is mouthwatering. It is good. So we're going to ask you the most unfair question that we ask all of our guests. And of course, you can give more than one answer. What's your favorite breed of chicken? You're going to think I'm crazy, but I don't have a favorite breed. I love okay. them all. We don't, don't think have, that's crazy. I don't have a favorite flower because there's just too many. I cannot choose. And I have seen differences. You know, like I might have a favorite Buff Orpington right now, but something may happen to her and she may die. And I may get another Buff Orpington, but she won't be the same as that Buff Orpington. You know what I'm right. saying? And, yeah. And they all lay the beautiful different colored eggs and they all have their own cuteness and their own personalities. I can't choose. I'm sorry. That's Eat totally that. fair. You're just an animal lover of all. So are we. <laughs> it's really hard to pick. And I see exactly what you're saying. It's the personality of that one chicken that may be your favorite at the time. 
we talk about it all the time that chickens are so individual. Well, we tend to have like boatload of favorite breeds. Yes. Like, These are my top 10. It's just too hard right. to, to narrow it down or limit That's it. Right. Yeah. We have to put it out there to everybody that we talk to. It's unfair, mm -hmm. but we have to yeah. do it. So <laughs> what's in the future for Happy Days Farms? Well, the past couple of years has been rough, not just for us, but for a lot of people. Right now, we're just taking it a day at a time. We're thankful for the, all the opportunities that we have had in the past. Like I said a while ago, we're not in this to make money. We're just trying to live a quiet and peaceful lifestyle here and enjoying the wonderful things that the Lord has blessed us with. And we just take it a day at a time. That's a lovely and peaceful place to be. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good lesson for everyone out there to just enjoy the moment you're in and the day that you're in and what's good about it and to be thankful and grateful for all the good blessings that we have. We have loved meeting you. We have been watching your social and looking at your website for a long time. And we were like, we've got to talk to this lady because she just seems so sweet. So we just want to say thank you so much for coming on and talking with us and spending some time with us and keep doing that wonderful photography. It makes our day. Well, thank you. And, and I'm so thankful for this opportunity too and meeting you ladies and just wish y'all well and a healthy life. Thank you. Likewise, it's just been delightful talking to you. Thanks. Take care. You too. Bye -bye. Have a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. We just want to thank Penny one more time for agreeing to be on the show with us. We had a great time talking. Definitely go check out her website and blog. Her blog is amazing. And yep. if you really want something that's organized and you can learn from and see exactly how you do it, go to that blog and follow her on Instagram along with everybody else because her photography is beautiful. And go see other photos of Adele the Delaware. Yeah, she's beautiful. She is. Okay, so now we're going to move into... Cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. And this week, as you just heard when we spoke with Penny in our interview, we're using one of Penny's recipes for our cracking the eggs because we just thought it was fantastic. Yeah. It's a recipe from her mother yes. that she found in a really old cookbook. And we just love the name of it plus the cake. It's $300 cake. It's called $300 cake, right. It really is a delicious cake. Essentially, it's a chocolate sheet cake. Yes. With a cooked cocoa frosting. Can you go wrong? It, right. It's generally served in like a 9 by 13 pan. Yeah. And is a fantastic Easter dessert with some berries. I was really thinking the same thing with Easter. It's great to bring for an Easter brunch at somebody's house or Easter lunch. And it's something that has a great name to it. Well, the name, you know me, I'm the history geek. Yeah. And so my first place was Ann Burns American Cake. Okay. And I looked in there for the $300 cake. I did not find it That's anywhere. the book I gave you for your birthday. Yes, I love that book. So then I did more digging and more digging. And essentially what I came up with is kind of funny. The $300 cake is one of those myths and legends. Okay. okay. And so a lot of us saw some of these in the 1990s, like early days of the internet. What we would have seen back then was called the Neiman Marcus cookie. Do you remember I, seeing that? No, but I like going to Neiman Marcus. Yes, and I like <laughs> cookies. So <laughs> the Neiman Marcus cookie, the whole thing was someone would email you a recipe. Okay. And it was supposed to be this famous Neiman Marcus cookie. Along with chain letters. It was something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the whole thing was, what they would say was, I asked for the recipe at Neiman Marcus for this cookie, and they charged me $300. Now I'm giving it to everyone. Oh, so in my digging, I found that this actually started before the internet, back in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. You would see the $300 cake. Okay. And so sometimes it was this chocolate cake. 
And sometimes it was a red velvet cake. Okay. The story went that this person had this amazing cake in this hotel restaurant, and they wrote to the restaurant and asked for the recipe. And they charged them $300. And they charged them $300. So this myth has actually been floating around since the 1950s. That's pretty cool. 70 years later, it's still around. That would make sense if Penny's mom had the recipe. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I was going to hit a dead end. Okay, it's the 90s. But no, it's way, way older than that. Yeah. The basics of the recipe, it's another one of those amazing buttermilk recipes. We have learned to really love ourselves some buttermilk. Absolutely. Buttermilk is the key. To moistness. Oh, gosh. You always have to say that word. I one do. Of the I hate it words in I the language. I still don't understand why it's so moist. hated. Moistness. It's a very moist cake. But it does make a very moist cake. It also makes it very easy to convert to yes. gluten and dairy-free. Yes. The other thing you're going to notice with this recipe is that you cook the butter, the oil, and the cocoa together. Yes. It's very Southern. It's very Southern. And so I wondered what the mechanics behind that were. Why do you do that? You cook the fats with the cocoa and it allows the cocoa to bloom. Okay. And that means it's going to release even more of the flavor while thickening the batter. Wow. And you do have two eggs. Those are not cooked. Those are added in in a different step. So it's a two-egg cake. And then there's a cooked cocoa icing that goes with it. I'd pay $300 for the recipe. I would not, (laughs) but I would eat the cake. (laughs) How many points on Weight Watchers? Well, yeah, it's not going to be easy on the hips, but it's sure going to taste good going down. (laughs) Easy on the lips. Uh Uh-huh. That's right. What was it? It was easy on the lips forever on the hips. I was like, is it worth a minute on the lips for a lifetime on the hips? I don't know. Just jog all day. (laughs) Jog in place while you're eating a piece. It's a fun recipe. It's absolutely delicious. Yes. And thank you to Penny for putting it on her blog. And, you know, Penny is from the South in North Carolina. That's where my grandmother was born and raised. Uh So a lot of her cooking ways, I'm like, I'm so familiar with it. Well, if you're looking for a really good classic Southern sheet cake, this is it. There you go. Okay. Let's move on to retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. Yeah. So retail therapy this week is... We're keeping it Southern. Heck yes. Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel. Do we get more Southern than a Cracker Barrel? I guess you could, but yeah, it's, but they're it's pretty good. Yeah. But they're yeah. based on Southern different well, types of food. Well, the reason we picked Cracker Barrel for a particular reason. Yes. Let's go into why we actually picked Cracker Barrel. When we went to Williamsburg... They have a lot of chicken decor and chicken collectibles. Yeah. And we stopped. So we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about what you can get in the store. Yes. And we're going to talk about hunting for vintage finds as well. Because Cracker Barrel switch their lines constantly. They do. So it's easy to fall in love with something at Cracker Barrel and then try to go back and get it. And it's gone forever unless you're searching eBay, Etsy, different places. Well, I knew that they had some really cute chicken stuff. And then last year, I had just ducked my head into a local Goodwill. Yeah. And I found these four big, beautiful green rooster dinner plates. Yeah. And they were Cracker Barrel. Yeah. So I went hunting, and we discovered that there are tons of Cracker Barrel collectibles on eBay. Definitely. So back to going to Williamsburg in December, such a fun trip with the girls. Uh Uh-huh. That morning, we're like, we're stopping by Cracker Barrel for breakfast. So we stop by, we walk in, and the middle display, the first uh, display yeah. they hit you. It was all chicken. Is the rooster display. Yeah. Cracker Barrel, every season, has a chicken rooster print. Right. They change. They change, but they always have a chicken print. So they have the big chicken clocks. Right. The big statues. They had a fountain. Right. They fountain. had everything right down to the little salt and pepper shakers that you got me. I got myself a set, too. I know. <laughs> 
And my shirt that had some pictures of it, but it has Maybe. little chickens all over it. I got it there. So we were like, everyone needs to know this. If you don't <laughs> go there. Most of those things are out of the circulation now. They've gone, yep. moved on to some other things. So since it's spring, if you visit the website now, there's some chick stuff. There's chick stuff. There is what's left of the rooster line. My Last guess is, year's rooster line. Yeah. yeah. So my guess is they'll be bringing another one out. Probably. They have a really cute little teapot for one on there that's on sale right yeah. now, eleven ninety nine. It has the mug at the bottom, the teapot. Yeah, it's like a teapot for one. Yeah. yeah. Super cute. I really like something they have on there right now, and they are light-up ceramic eggs that are sort of filigree. They're very pretty. And that's for Easter. Perfect Easter decor. They also have a couple of tumblers and a couple of mugs that have chicks yes. and roosters on them. They had a big welcome sign still left from the rooster line uh -huh. that says welcome with a rooster on it. Nice. Usually everyone who's listening to us in the U.S., at least on the East, yeah. I'm not sure about the West. I'm not sure either. Or Midwest. Let us know if we're right I mean, or they wrong. They do have an online shop. They do have an online shop, but everyone's usually within 20, 30 minutes of one. Even I am. I'm probably 15, 20 minutes from one, too. You don't have to go eat in there. You can go to shop. Right. We did find one thing on the menu I could eat, though. <laughs> and this is funny. Grits. Given a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, yeah, we did the recipe for grits and greens, but I had grits and eggs. <laughs> I could safely eat, so. Yeah, it's a fun place to shop. It's an old farmhouse country feel. It is a chain, but it's one that kind of makes you feel country at heart when you walk in there. If you like to save your dollars for vintage finds, that's great. If you like to spend your money on really high-end artisan chicken stuff, absolutely fine. But if you're on a budget and you're looking to find some affordable chicken decor, Cracker Barrel's right up your alley. Yeah, just walk in, look to see what they have, and check the website because the website has all the stuff that they have. Yeah. Here's my guess is that the website sells out pretty quickly. Could be. And so individual stores get their stock, and whether or not they sell out there, they probably all will have individual stuff. I would imagine so. Then, and clearance sections in each store as well. Yeah, and then once that line is gone out of the store, then start your eBay and Etsy search. Right. Yeah, if you're trying to complete a set, that's definitely the way you want to go. Believe me, there are plate there are after plate ads of different patterns that have come out of Cracker Barrel in the last many years. And then the thrift stores, too. Yeah. Like when you're in and you turn the plate over, you turn the mug over and it says Cracker Barrel. It's usually pretty good quality stuff. In Absolutely. There. Yeah. Most of it's dishwasher and microwave safe, too. Yeah. And definitely some unique stuff. Uh-huh. So check out Cracker Barrel to get some good chicken decor. We liked going in there. That was fun. We had a great time. If you have stuff from Cracker Barrel that you want to show us, send us pictures. We'd love to see it. We managed to buy each other some Christmas stuff in there without the other one seeing it. We got a lot of Christmas stuff we in did. there. Yeah. And I got the poncho that came over, the buffalo Oh, was like a wrap. Yeah, that was yeah, really nice. Yeah, that I really liked too. Okay, so should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Absolutely. We're profiling the beautiful Lakenvelder chicken. It is a beautiful chicken. Our main topic. Actually, it's two little main topics. Yeah. We're going to talk about where to buy chicks and how you keep your chicks healthy and happy. I love talking about chicks. Yeah. Cracking the eggs is egg muffins. Because this is a time of year you have lots of eggs. Lots of eggs. Oh, my goodness. And retail therapy is Roosties, chick feeder and water. We sets. love Roosties. We do love Roosties. Okay. So what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. 
Thanks for listening.